Well, good evening, folks. Normally, you hear me start off this podcast by saying, if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, turn to a particular book and particular chapter. But we tried to do this podcast yesterday at church, and we had some difficulty and technical difficulty. And so I, if uh, this sounds a little different, it is because I am bringing this to you from my office uh, Monday afternoon, Monday evening, whatever you want to call it. So now I will say it if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, let's turn to the Gospel of Matthew, the fourth chapter, and we'll begin reading in a minute. And this is going to sound somewhat different because I don't have the interaction of my church family. But I hope you get your Bible and turn to Matthew, the fourth chapter. And while you are, I want to ask you a question. I want to start off this podcast by asking, were any of you tempted this past week? Now, if you have to stop and think about that, the the obvious answer is, sure you were. Because if you watch TV or you listen to the radio, you were more than likely tempted to purchase something. Advertisers often make self-indulgence a part of their marketing strategy. They'll say that we'll be happier if we drive a particular vehicle or we will be better off if we use a particular product. Nowadays, it's all about instant gratification. And instant gratification has become a reality. The internet has redefined shopping. You know, you just think about media, for instance, like books and music. They can be downloaded and enjoyed immediately. I like old classic country music, and I can go on YouTube and I can pick a particular artist or a particular song and and punch on it and immediately I'm able to listen to that that music and and uh, or that particular song and we make online purchases now and they can often be delivered the next day matter of fact if you live in the right place you uh, make a a online purchase you can get it the same day but instant gratification Vacation has become far more instant. But here's the thing I want you to understand today. Advertisers weren't the first to use this strategy. From the beginning of time, Satan has used instant gratification in his bag of tricks to entice us. He used it with Adam and Eve. He tried to use it on Jesus, and he'll try to use it on each one of us as well. So as we look at how Satan tempted, attempted it with Jesus, we can learn to trust God in what he provides rather than fall for the temptation to rely on ourselves instead of God. So today we're going to look both in the New Testament and the Old Testament while we talk about the temptation to rely on myself instead of God. Now, here's the obvious question. Have you ever caught yourself relying on yourself more than God? You know, we get the mentality, we think, well, God, I'm going to give you a break on this one. I've got this one handled. I can take care of it all by myself. We have good intentions, but if you have listened to me uh, preach on podcasts, you've heard me say, 
numerous times that the road to hell is paved with good intentions. But giving God a break, we think we're doing him a favor, but we are too easily tempted to being led down the wrong path to leave God out of the picture. And you have to understand one thing, and that is that the source of our temptation comes from our own evil desires. And if we fall into the trap of temptation, we can easily be led into sin. So today we're going to see that Jesus faced temptation, yet he did it without making an uh uh-oh. He did it, and he never sinned. So it is indeed possible to overcome temptation and not sin. Now, if you have your Bible, and I hope you do, and you're in the fourth chapter of of Matthew, I want you to look in verse 1. The Bible says, Then was Jesus led up out of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward and hungered, or he was hungry. Now, before we get too deep into this passage, in order for us to place the temptation of Jesus found here in Matthew in our text today, we need to remember that Matthew began his gospel by presenting Jesus as the answer to Israel's exile. The Israelites had broken their covenant with God over and over and over again. And because of their sin, because of their disobedience, God removed them from the promised land. Now, after 70 years, God allowed them to return to their land, but a more complete restoration was still to come. And Matthew helped us to see that Jesus brought about that restoration by listing the genealogy of Jesus. And if you turn to the first chapter of Matthew, you will find that that list of genealogy. And what, what Matthew did, he listed the genealogy of Jesus from Abraham to David, from David to the exile, and from the exile to Jesus. And as I said, you can find that in the first chapter of Matthew. Now, I think that we could even say that this restoration of Israel included a new exodus. Remember that during his infancy, Jesus was taken by Mary and Joseph to Egypt before growing up in Nazareth. You remember Nathaniel, and I think it was in the Gospel of John. Nathaniel said, can any good thing come from Nazareth? But Jesus being taken to Egypt by Joseph and Mary... That fulfilled Hosea's prophecy that said, and you find this in Hosea 11.1, When Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. Because of that, biblical scholars refer to Jesus as the new Moses. And in Matthew, we see him experiencing his own time in the desert. You know, there he faced temptation, but unlike the Israelites, he obeyed. It's interesting to me as I was studying for this that Jesus fasted in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights. Now, even as the Israel 
Israelites were were in the wilderness for 40 years. So you see the correlation there. Jesus was there 40 days, 40 nights. Israel was there for 40 years, the number 40. So Matthew begins this portion of Jesus' life with an important note. He wanted us to know that none of what was to happen to Jesus was accidental. You notice in the text that we read, he was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness. This this was God's plan. And with this plan, Satan found a way to tempt Jesus. After fasting so long, 40 days and 40 nights, we shouldn't be surprised that Jesus was hungry. And so that's where Satan hoped to use that incident, that circumstance, to his advantage. Now, let's look some more in the Gospel of Matthew. Let's look in verse 3. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Notice that the nature of Satan's temptation of Jesus centered on one phrase. It says there in verse 3, If you are the Son of God. God had already declared Jesus to be his beloved Son. If you look back in the third chapter, right above where we're reading in the fourth chapter, if you look in verse 16 and 17, it says, And Jesus, when he was baptized went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened upon him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him, and a low voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. So God had already declared that Jesus to be his beloved son. And you notice in those verses there in Matthew three sixteen and 17, you notice the Holy Trinity is involved in Jesus' baptism because it says that God spoke. God said, this is my beloved son. The Spirit descended on Jesus like a dove and the Son was baptized. So you had God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit all involved there. But that was where Satan planned to attack. And when, whenever he said that statement there in Matthew, the, the fourth chapter, verse 3, if you are the Son of God, in other words, he is saying, I want you to prove it. Satan was trying to get Jesus to test the Father. It, it, it's as if Jesus was, or Satan was trying to lure Jesus to wonder, will God really provide for me? I'm out here, I'm hungry, I haven't eaten for 40 days and 40 nights. So what we see is Satan was subtly questioning God's goodness. If he could get Jesus to question God's goodness, then Jesus would likely provide for himself. Now, here's where Jesus had a choice. And what we're talking about today is relying on self. That is actually the title of this sermon is relying on self. So now we see Jesus being tempted by by uh, Satan, and Jesus had a choice to make. He either had to trust in the Father to provide for the every need, including food, or take matters into his own hands. 
So now if you look at this entire passage, you will find that every time Jesus confronted temptation, uh, he he uh, or was confronted with temptation, he responded with God's word. Every time that Jesus responded, he responded from the book of Deuteronomy. We'll talk more about that in a minute. But Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. He had just completed the 40-day fast. He was surely hungry. He was weak. When Satan approached him with the instructions, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. But this was no chance encounter, folks. Satan was questioning God's goodness. He was questioning God's provisions, and he was tempting Jesus to do the same thing. There was a very important issue at stake here. And and don't miss this. Jesus had to try to save humanity and bring about restoration. Jesus had to fulfill all righteousness to live the life that we cannot. You see, unlike the Israelites in the wilderness, Jesus would not put God to to the test. He had to face temptation as we do, yet not sin. It was God's Spirit that had led Jesus to this place, and he trusted the Father to provide all that he needed. So he cites a passage from the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy. As I told you earlier, every time he was tempted, he responded from the book of Deuteronomy. So we need to turn to Deuteronomy, the eighth chapter, and I want you to look in verse three, and it says, and he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger and fed thee with manna, which thou knewest not, neither did thy fathers know, that he might make thee know that man doth not live by bread only, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doeth man live. Now, Jesus' answer, when he was tempted, when Satan says, okay, I want you to turn these, these stones into bread. I want you to prove that you are the Son of God. Jesus' answer was to obey, obey God and that was better than food. If if you read the Bible enough, you will find that when when you face most temptations, God will equip you to overcome that temptation with his word. And that's exactly what Jesus did. So let's look a little further into this passage that Jesus quoted. Let's back up to Deuteronomy 8, the second chapter, or the second verse, and it says, And I shalt remember. That word remember is very important. Remember. You need to remember the word remember. And I shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these forty years in the wilderness to humble thee and to prove thee. That word prove thee there in verse 2 of of chapter 8 in Deuteronomy is to test thee, to know what is in thy heart, whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or not. We already read verse 3. Let's go down to verse 4. Thy raiments waxed not old upon thee, or did not wear out, neither did thy foot swell these forty years. Thy shalt also consider in thy heart, that word consider there is no, thy shalt also know in thy heart, 
that as a man chasteneth his son, so the Lord God chasteneth thee. Now, what I want you to see from these verses, and I brought that word remember to your attention. Remember, that's an important word. Why is that so important? Because we're so forgetful. Just like the Israelites, we need to be reminded constantly, not only of God's goodness, but of his guidance, of his provisions. And so God reminded in those verses that we read from Deuteronomy 8, God reminded the Israelites of three things he had provided for them. First of all, God provided guidance. He reminded the Israelites that he had led them on the entire journey, the whole time they was wandering around out in the middle of nowhere in the wilderness for 40 years. He never abandoned them. Well, what does that tell us today? It's important for us to remember that when we feel like we're alone, God is with us. The second thing God reminded them there out of those verses we read was that he had provided food. After the Israelites set out from Egypt, God promised to provide for them bread from heaven. That daily bread was called manna. Folks, for 40 years, God provided this bread every morning except the Sabbath morning. The day before, he would always give them a double portion, and they would gather up a double portion so they did not have to work on the Sabbath. And yet, what did Israel do? Even though God was providing them all of this time, what did they do? They continually put God to the test by complaining about a lack of provisions. Thirdly, God also reminded them that he provided for their material needs. Not only did he guide them, not only did he feed them, but he also clothed clothed them. So what I want you to stop and think about here is you need to realize for a moment that miraculously their clothing did not wear out, nor did their feet swell. They wore the same clothes, they wore the same shoes for 40 years, and yet they never wore out during that journey. Don't tell me that God wasn't taking care of them. Now, let me bring you up to date if you don't know the know this story of the wilderness wanderings of the Israelites. Long before Satan tempted Jesus to question God's goodness, the Israelites questioned God's provisions because the Israelites did not believe that God would deliver them. They failed to enter the promised land. You know, Moses had led them up to the promised land. They sent the spies into the promised land. They sent 12 spies, one from each tribe. They got in there and they came back and they reported to the people that the land was full of giants. Ten of the tribe leaders said, we cannot take it. Two of them trusted God and said, we can. But the Israelites, because they did not believe that God would deliver them, they failed to enter promised land. And because of that, because of their disobedience as a judgment, God called them to wander in the wilderness for 40 years until that disobedient generation died out. By the way, that word Deuteronomy, the book of Deuteronomy, that word means the second law. And in the book of Deuteronomy, 
God prepared a new generation to enter the promised land. And a key part of this instruction was to remind them of what he had done for them. It's in this instruction that we find the message that Jesus quoted in Matthew 4, verse 4, chapter 4, verse 4. So the Israelites found out that they could trust God to provide everything they needed. It is no different with us. God will provide for us every time we need something if we just trust him. Now, I'm going to finish out with this Deuteronomy passage today. But before I do, I want to take a little sidestep here and see what Paul had to say about us being content in what God had provided. So let's put us a bookmark in Deuteronomy and let's turn to the book of Philippians, the fourth chapter. And let's look in verse 12, and it says, I know both how to be abased, which means to live humbly, and I know how to abound. That means to live in prosperity. Everywhere and in all things, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. If you're looking in your Bible at Philippians chapter 4 and verse 13, you need to highlight that verse in your Bible. You need to underline it. You need to be able to quote it. You need to memorize this verse. It's very important. It says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, as as I want to ask you a question, I guess is what I need to do here. And my question is, are you as content about your life as the Apostle Paul was when he wrote this passage? You see, Jesus taught us in the Lord's Prayer or the model prayer to pray, give us this day our daily bread. You see, that is a prayer of trust for our daily bread, not our weekly bread, not monthly bread. And we should be thankful that God answers our prayer for our daily bread. And we also should be thankful since so many of us probably have full pantries. We probably have enough food to last for several days, if not a week or longer, you know, so not just a day or two. We can thank God when we have much And we can thank God when we have a little. And whether you believe it or not, and I know it's hard to kind of comprehend sometimes looking at all the crazy things that's going on in this old world, but God is still at work. And because God is still at work in this old world, we can trust him, not simply just in what he gives. If he tests us in this, it is not to frustrate us In other words, when I say test us in this, I'm talking about whether we've got plenty or whether we we have a little. God's not not testing us to frustrate us, but, but to strengthen our faith. So if you're ever tempted to doubt God's provision, what do you think you should do? How do you think you should respond to that? Well, what is that important word that I told you all ago that you needed to remember? That's what you need to do. We need to remember, look back over our lives and consider how God has provided for us. There there may be times 
when we have just a little and we don't know how we're going to get by. We don't know where our next meal is going to come from. We don't know how we're going to pay the bills. And there may be times when we have plenty, when we've got more money than we know what to do with. But God provides what you need when you need it. And when you understand that God's promised to provide for the basic needs of his people, then you will be satisfied with his provisions. And we will, right along with Paul and what we read in, in Philippians, know how to make do with a little or myth a lot. And you know what that is? That right there is the secret to com- commitment. And we can make do in every circumstance, every situation, and, and and all the things through him who strengthens us. Now, I told you I was going to finish up in De- Deuteronomy, so we need to go back to the 8th chapter of Deuteronomy, and we need to read some more. Uh, I had quit reading in verse 5, so let's pick up in verse 6. Chapter 8. Therefore thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord thy God, to walk in his ways and to fear him. For the Lord thy God bringeth thee into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains and depths that depths that spring out of, out of valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley and vines, fig trees, pomegranates, a land of olive oil and honey, a land wherein thou shalt eat bread without scarceness, Thou shalt not lack anything in it, a land whose stones are iron, and out of whose hills thou mayest dig brass. When thou hast eaten and are full, then thou shalt bless the Lord thy God for the good land which he hath given thee. Now, earlier, God had, and we talked about this, God had made a covenant promise to provide for the Israelites. If they obeyed his word, kept his covenant, they would be his people. He would be their God. That's what a covenant is. It's a contract. I will do something if you do something. So we see that this was a contract between God and the Israelites. And he would give them a land flowing with milk and honey. We just read it. Now, 40 years later, After the doubting generation had died out, Moses was preparing this second generation to enter the land. God was bringing the Israelites into a good land. This was a land that both was beautiful, it was bountiful, they would live under God's rule, they would live under God's blessing, but keeping their part of the covenant, that was going to be the challenge. That was going to be the hard part. They couldn't do it. In fact, God told Moses the Israelites would eventually break the covenant, but Moses also told the people that when they turned back to God in obedience, God would restore them. God would cause them to prosper once again, and God would would love them wholeheartedly, and the same way with them the other direction, they would love God wholeheartedly. So, you're probably wondering why I'm I'm rambling on, babbling on with this Old Testament story. The reason I do that is this. It's because of one thing. The Israelites struggled to keep their end of the covenant with God. 
their their faithfulness had its ups it had its downs my question to you today is are we any different because each one of us sins which keeps us from fully obeying God keeps us from fully obeying his instructions but thankfully Jesus kept the covenant for us we fall miserably and we fail miserably but Jesus lived a life of perfect obedience that we could not. So Jesus established a new covenant, if you will, by his blood shed on the cross. This new covenant promised a new heart. It promised the forgiveness of sins for all who come to him. And that's the good news. God gave his own son for us. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. He did not even spare his own son, but gave him up for each one of us. So, when we come to God by faith in Christ, we are treated as sons and daughters. We are treated heirs of all of God's wealth. That's how we're treated. There's nothing he will hold back from us. Folks, we don't do anything to earn his provisions. He freely gives it to us because we are his children of faith. God does not provide for us just because we have the right words in prayer, just because we do the right things. Our Father graciously provides for us because of Christ and his full obedience even to death on the cross. So Jesus' obedience secured our blessings, and all the blessings are ours by faith. What I'm trying to say, and this is the reason I'm rambling on in this these verses in Deuteronomy, what I'm trying to say is in all of this, that throughout the Bible, we see that God provided for his people. God always provides you know, one of the names for God in, in the Bible is Jehovah Jireh. Jehovah Jireh means God will provide. So, if, if, if the temptation ever rises its head for you to go at it on your own without God, I want you to remember, if we trust in God, He will provide whatever we need that moment whatever we have need of that moment. And the greatest provision that God offers us is His Son, Jesus Christ. So I want you to think about that. I want you to remember that Jesus always provides for us if we trust Him. He always takes care of us. And if you're ever in the position to doubt that, you need to look back over your life and remember how well God has guided you and protected you and, and how He has provided everything that you needed at that time. I want to pray with you today, and we'll wind up this 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 podcast for this week. Father God, we just thank you for all your love, your mercy, your grace, the, the blessings that you give us, Father. We just thank you for this day that we've had, and Father, we just ask your guidance and direction upon each one of us. Father, we ask that you forgive us where we fail you, Father, that you continue to protect us, watch over us in this very challenging time that we live in, Father, and that 
that we can be a very bright light shining in this old world. Father, I ask that you bring us some relief from this heat. I ask that you bless us with some rain that only you could provide, Father. And certainly I lift up all the folks that are hurting for whatever reason. I know there's there's people suffering, uh, dealing with cancer, dealing with heart issues, dealing with financial issues, dealing with uh, relationship issues, Father. And, and, and I just ask you to bring comfort and peace to people, Father, all the folks that are suffering in sickness. I, I just ask that you heal them, that, that your spirit move in a way that you meet their need. So, Father, I just thank you for another day, another day that you have given us, another day that you have blessed us with, Father. And I just pray for your overwhelming peace to come upon us in these very troubling times that we live. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.